Let's begin with prayer. Father, we're grateful to be able to gather today in your presence with your people. We look forward to hearing your word, Lord God. Your word is strong. My word is feeble. Your word is mighty. My word, not so much. But Lord, I stand here today with the awesome job of having to bring your word to your people. So please let my words be your words. Let them change hearts, change lives, draw people to you. I ask this in your son's name. Amen. Oh, the elderly man grimaced as he repositioned his body on the cold stone slab. He was hiding away in an undisclosed location because he's a wanted man. People wanted him dead. But this morning he had a little, he had a visitor, he had an assistant seated nearby. And he addressed him. It's, it's time we got started, don't you think? It's time we put that pen to parchment and wrote something down. But what do you think we should write? And he asked the assistant, and the assistant was a little stunned that he was asked such a request and said, well, why don't you just tell them what you heard? Why don't you... Tell them what you saw. I mean, you got to look upon him. You got to touch him with your hands. And, and it's been 50-plus years. I mean, you're, you're, you're the last one standing. All the others have long since passed away. You're the only remaining eyewitness. So, so why, don't, why don't you start with that first time that first time you saw him, that first time you heard him, that time you, you were fishing. Yeah, that's right. The time you were fishing with your dad and your brother and, and Peter and Andrew. Oh, you mean when he said those words? What words? When he said those wonderful, life-changing words? Oh, you mean, you mean when he said, said put, put out to the deep and uh, let down your nets for a catch. And then when you did, so many fish found your nets that they began to break. And so heavy were they that your boat began to sink. No, 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 not, not those words. It's, it's the words that came after that. You see... I was frightened. I was frightened by those words. I mean, our boat sinking with fish that came out of nowhere. Our sea legs were, were, were shaking. When we realized what we were up against, here, here, here was a man with the power to make fish come out of nowhere and jump into our nets and even sink our boats just by 
just by saying so. His, his speech had the power to create something out of nothing and at the same time bring an end to our family business. No, no, no. It, it wasn't that word. It wasn't that word that drew us to him. It was what followed. You see, instead of dismissing us as such power one, powerful people like him are wont to do, no, no, he, he, he invited us to follow him. And he calmed our frightened hearts by saying, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be a fisher of men. And so we followed him. And we walked with him and we listened to him day in and day out for three whole years. And all the words he spoke during that time changed our lives and the lives of everyone else who followed him too. No, no, we, we, we need not start with the first time I heard him. I mean, after all, Brother Luke's already recorded that one pretty nicely. in much bigger words than I know how to use. No, no, we, we, we need to go back further. You see, th this word, this word predates, predates any of us. And truth be told, there's, there's no word like this word. And we must hear him. So, so young man, take up your pen. Write down. Write down what, what you hear and ponder what I say. And standing with determination, the elder brother, better known as John, began to recite. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him, not anything was made that was made. In him was life, and life was the light of men. And we'll stop right there for now, because the old man needs to take a break and collect his thoughts. But those four verses will give us plenty to ponder this morning. For in them, John made it clear that there's no word like this word. And that this word must be listened to. But why? Why must this word be listened to? Well, John, John gives us two reasons, and they're going to serve as the two main overarching points for my message. This word must be listened to because of what it was, number one. Because of what it was, and, number two, because of what it does. Two points. Because of what it was, verses one and two. Because of what it does, verses three and four. So let's begin 
with verse 1 and because of what it was. Notice how many times in these first two verses that the word was is used to describe the word. I mean, I, I count four times. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. And each one of these was statements describes a different aspect or trait of this word. And as we shall see, they're unique to this word. I mean, no other word can be described this way. So let's examine them one by one. First, in the beginning was the word. Now that sounds rather odd. I mean, we don't typically describe things that way. We never speak of anything as being in the beginning. That's because everything we know has a beginning. Everything has a starting point. Because before it begins, it doesn't exist. So nothing can be in the beginning. But according to John, the word was... You see, the word predates the beginning. When the beginning of the universe happened, the word already was. The word already existed. Was, past tense, already there. And what's more, this word word had no beginning because it was in the beginning, already there. It was always there. It will always be there. And others in the scriptures say the same thing. You have the psalmist in Psalm 119.89 saying, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. And then you've got Peter in 1 Peter 1.25 saying, But the word of the Lord remains forever. You see, this word that was in the beginning stands firm in the heavens now and will remain forever. No change. Always, always there. And what does this forever word mean for us? It means that this word has been around. It's seen a thing or two. It stood the test of time, and it doesn't change. I mean, after all, Hebrews says it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, that makes it trustworthy. That makes it reliable. This word doesn't change. You can rely on it. You can trust it. There's there's no other word that can be trusted like this word. But there's more. There's there's another was statement in verse 1. Actually, two more was statements. 
But the second one goes like this. The Word was with God. You see, the Word wasn't alone in the beginning. It had companionship. It was with God. God and the Word were together. They always were together. And whatever they did or planned to do, they did with each other. And not only this, they were into each other. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, if we look at John's original language, we'll see that the word with can also be translated towards. So that when John said the word was with God, he was also communicating that the word was towards God. In other words, the word was facing God. The word was looking at God. And therefore, it could be said that this this word was focused on God, fixated on God, kind of joined at the hip to God. Whatever God wanted the word to do, it did. Whatever God wanted the word to say, it said. Whatever God, wherever God wanted that word to go, it went. And what does this attribute of the word mean for us? It means that if you want to get to know God, know the word. If you want to hear God, listen to the word. If you want to obey God, follow the word. There's no better access to God than by his word. Actually, there's no other access to God than by his word. And then, that's not all. There's a, there's a third was statement. Not only was the word in the beginning, not only was the word with God, the word was God. You see, the word has all the character attributes of God. The Word knows all things, like God does. The Word sees all things, like God. The Word rules all things, just like God. And the Word can do all things. Nothing stands in the way of this Word. Nothing can thwart this Word. Nothing can stop this word. Whatsoever God is, so also is this word. Follow this word. Heed this word. Now that may be a scary thought for some of you. I mean, if you stop and think about it, if this word is all-seeing, all-knowing, and all-powerful, Wouldn't we want to avoid it at all costs? I mean, wouldn't we want to steer clear of it to keep from being crushed by its weight? After all, this word is perfect, and we're not. We cannot possibly measure up to its requirements. That's why, going back to John, that's why he was trembling that day in that boat when it was sinking with all those fish. That's why he and Peter were falling on their faces before that word and begging him to depart. 
We're sinful men. But thankfully, the Gospel of John doesn't end after verse 1. There are other verses. Verse 2, for example. So let's examine. Let's examine what they have to say. Verse 2 has a fourth was statement. He was in the beginning with God. Wait a moment, John. Aren't you repeating yourself? I mean, didn't you talk about the beginning, in the beginning, with God, was, all that stuff in, in verse 1? What, why are you saying it again? Well, if you look closely, there's, there's one word in verse 2 that's not in verse 1. It happens to be the first word. The little, little pronoun, he. And that little word makes a huge difference. Because, you see, in verse 1, if you didn't know any better, you'd be talking about some abstract force, an idea that's impersonal. That's not very attractive. That's very scary. It can be. That's not something you want to hang around. But when you insert the word he, it does something big. It tells us that this word is a person. This word has personality. And perhaps more importantly, this word was and is very personal. I mean, he, he has thoughts, he has plans, he has emotions. He has desires, and he loves. You see, prior to the beginning, the Word wasn't just with God. He loved God, and he was loved by God. He wasn't just fixated on God, focused on God. He was intimately relating with God. He, he even had a favorite name for God. It's a name that John doesn't reveal until we get down to verse 14. If you notice in verse 14, it says another verse about the Word becoming flesh. We have seen His glory, this Word's glory, as of the only Son from the Father. Son, Father. So to this Word, God was His Father. And he was God's son. They were family. They were family forever. They'd always been family. Before they ruled anything, before they were lord of anything, they were father and son. But the pronoun he in this verse has further implications. Not only does it speak of the words personal relationship with his father, it hints at his future relationship with others. Other persons whom he and the father decided and wanted and planned to create. You see, the word he is not, not just a preferred pronoun, which is a big deal these days. No, it's not just some random gender designation that he chose to identify himself with temporarily. 
No, rather, rather it's an accurate description of who he is. For he, like his father, is very masculine. In fact, he is the very definition of masculinity. He can be no other. And, and what do I mean by this? How, how is he so manly? Well, let's think about it here. He's masculine in that he desires to create life. He's eager to sustain that life. He's willing to guide and direct that life. He's poised to protect that life. And yes, even, he's even willing to give up his life for the betterment of those who are his. That's masculine. He's a masculine person. And in short, all of that could be summed up with this. He's willing and ready to selflessly love those who belong to him. And that is precisely what this word was poised to do at the end of verse 2. If you notice, at the end of verse 2, it's still the beginning. He hasn't created anything yet, but boy, was he ready and eager to. He wanted more family. So what's he do? What's he do? That's our next point. Remember, because of what he was, number one, because of what he does, number two. So this word is ready to spring into action in verses three and four. Everything in the first two verses described who he was. Now we're going to see what he does. In verse three, verse three says, this about what he does. All things were made through him. This word made all things. Not some things. All things were made through him. Note how John's language doesn't leave anything out. Everything that was made was made through him. And he even says it again, kind of negatively, says, and without him, not anything was made that was made. Now, certainly, John, John has creation in view here, certainly, because that's what you first think of when he says this, he made all things. And if you know your Bibles, verses 1 and 2 sound very familiar to another beginning chapter in Genesis, the very first chapter, which famously begins with the same words John just began with. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So yes, John's echoing Genesis. But John was speaking about what was before the beginning. He didn't get to his creation until verse 3. And if you look at his verse 3 and you compare it to Genesis verse 3, you'll see there's, there's, there's connections there too because in Genesis verse 3, God begins to create by speaking. God says, let there be light, and there was light. Light just came into being. It was made. And he did it by speaking words. Oh, words. That's who this word is. 
John's referring to the same word. Through this word, all things came to be. Creation. Connection. But, but, there's, there's more going on in John than just creation. There's more. There's a clue. If you know the Genesis account, at the end of chapter 1, actually the first couple verses of chapter 2, God actually stops creating. He rests. The seventh day, the Sabbath, started the Sabbath tradition. He stopped creating. And it would seem, based on what you read in Genesis, that uh, the creative word ceased. Nothing else came into existence. The words seems to go to silence. And the, the new creation seems to be left to fend for itself. And without any further assistance or direction from God's word, that's what it sort of reads like. And if you remember how the story goes, uh, that created life kind of went off the rails. Uh, God's newly created image bearers, Adam and Eve, decided to dis disobey the one and only command God had given them, and in so doing, set themselves and God's entire handiwork on a path of self-destruction. They chose death over life. They chose darkness over light. Hmm. That's not how John 1 reads. John is different. First of all, if you look at John 1, 3, John doesn't use the create word. He doesn't say all things were created through him. He says all things were made. And, well, what's the difference? Well, that, that word made could act more accurately be trans, translated become or, or came to be. You see, according to John 1, 3, without him, not one thing became. Not one thing came to be. Not just things created in the first chapter of Genesis during the creation week, but all things, everything that has come to be since then. I mean, you could apply it to things like every baby born came to be by this word. Every healing bestowed came to be by this word. Every blessing granted came to be by this word, this active, living word. And James, James 1.17 kind of captures, captures it nicely. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. How? By this word. You see... There truly is no word like this word who speaks and all things come to be. No other word can do this. No other word can make things come to be. Just think about it. What happens when you hear words from everybody else? Like every other word. What happens? Well, when you hear a word... You choose how to respond to it. You can receive it, or you can reject it. You can listen to it, or you can ignore it. You can laugh it off, or you can respond to it in anger. In every case, you have a choice. You decide how to respond. 
Every other kind of word cannot change you by itself. It needs your concurrence to affect you. Not so with this word. The word described by John makes things that are not come to be without their permission. And that's not all. If you move to verse 4, this word also makes things that are dead come to life. Yes, that's what verse 4 implies when you read in him was life and the life was the light of men. I mean, at first glance, this verse has a connection to Genesis also. I mean, if you remember in Genesis 2-7, when God's forming man from the dust of the ground and he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life and the man becomes a living creature, oh, there's life. God gave life to Adam. Got it. But is John 1-4 talking about that life? When he says, in him was life, not so fast. No. Because you've got to remember what happened to that man when he disobeyed God. That man died. Not physically at first, but spiritually. He lost his spiritual relationship with God. He became, as Ephesians 2.5 puts it, dead in his trespasses. And yes, Eventually, his body died, too. Now, if he was both physically and spiritually dead, what became of that breath of life that God breathed into his nostrils? It was gone. It wasn't there anymore. Death overcame that life. Death eradicated that life. In the end, death prevailed, not life. Death won. Now, go back to John 1.4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Is that the same kind of life he's talking about? No. A thousand times, no. The life written of in John 1.4 is a different kind of life. We know this by how he describes it in the same verse. He calls this life the light of men. And then in verse 5, which we'll go into more detail next week, he talks about how light overcomes darkness. You know, that old, you're in a dark place and you light a candle, and it ain't dark anymore. Light, when it encounters darkness, it dispels the darkness. It rids the place of darkness. You see, the light wins. Like, a, like that candle. Now, if the life in John 1-4 is like the light of John 1-5, it too must win. It too must defeat its mortal enemy. Death. That means the life of John 1 4 
defeats death. It's a different kind of life. It's a life that wins. And there's no life like this life. Every other kind of life eventually dies. In every other instance, death wins. But the life proceeding from the word in John 1.4 is not like any other life. It wins. And the Apostle Paul actually captures this sentiment in 1 Corinthians 15, 54 and 55. And technically he's quoting from Hosea, so you could go to him as well. They're both saying the same thing. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? And as an illustration of the power of this life and of the power of this word, there's actually a very good representation of this in the Old Testament by a prophet named Ezekiel. And I'm going to read for you the first ten verses of Ezekiel 37. It'll help us get the picture here. The hand of the Lord was upon me. This is Ezekiel talking. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And behold, they were very dry, been dead a long, long time. And he, God, said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, Oh, Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy or speak words over these bones and say to them, Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And that word breath can be translated spirit. And I will lay sinews upon you, and I will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath or spirit in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, and I, as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there was sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then God said to me, prophesy to the breath. The Spirit prophesies, Son of Man, Son of Man. This word liked to be called the Son of Man when he became flesh, by the way. Just see that. God telling the Son of Man to tell the Spirit, come this way. Prophesy to the Spirit, prophesy, Son of Man, and say to the breath, to the Spirit, thus says the Lord God. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet. 
See, that's the kind of life we're talking about in John 1, 4. Dead, dead as can be. Spoken to become life. You see, there is no word like this word that causes things that are not to come to be and causes things that are dead to live and see. Hear him out. Listen to him. Let his life-giving word breathe life into you. There is much more to say about this word, but that'll be for the next three weeks. He didn't just speak from heaven in verses 1 through 4, but we'll get to it. He came down and became flesh. And he dwelt among us. And he lived with us. And he walked with us. He walked with John. Made all those fish come to be. And John and Peter and all the others followed him. And then he even... He even experienced death for them and for all the ones who followed him since. And because he was the life, he didn't stay dead. He rose again. And his father took him back to his side where he's with him again, like he was before. In the beginning, He's with his father now. Someday he's going to come back and he's going to take everyone who's alive in him with him. And all by the power of his word. There is no word like this word. Let's listen to him. And let's pray. Father God, you've Love this word from the beginning, and you've wanted to expand your family to include created beings like us, whom you've made alive because we were dead in our sins. Lord God, make us alive with this word. Stir us up by this word. And for those who maybe haven't been stirred yet, Lord God, begin to rattle those bones, begin to have them come together and work that breath into them, Lord. You can do it because this word can do it, Lord. We ask that you do that. We ask that this life and this word bless us and go with us from this day forward. In your name, amen.